You're listening to The Rouge Report, brought to you by Young's Equipment, your MacDon headquarters. When you're in the field this harvest, let MacDon lead the way. MacDon headers are built tough to deliver worry-free harvesting performance with any crop, in any condition, and on any combine. Remember to go to youngs.ca and use the podcast code ROUGE, that's R-O-U-G-E, for your chance to win a rider's prize package. Welcome to The Rouge Report, presented by Young's Equipment. I'm Cody Fajardo. And I'm Isaac Harker. Follow along as we tackle CFL topics one point at a time. A Rough Rider podcast. Welcome to episode six of the Rouge Report. And Cody, we got a doozy of an episode today. Yeah, we got uh, Darian Bernard, which he hates. We found that out in the interview. You will hear that uh, Durant on our show. And we were just, like I like I talk about, he's just the guy who laid the foundation for us as quarterbacks, being able to win multiple Grey Cups, man. It's just truly someone you look up to uh, when you play for the Riders. Yeah, and you, I, I know I've heard a lot of stories in the locker room just about those Grey Cup days and everything. I know Labatt was playing for him, so to hear guys talk about it and then to actually hear it straight from him was pretty cool. Yeah, and like the one thing is we haven't met face to face, but through the interview, as you guys can see, it seems like I mean quarterbacks just get along with every quarterback. So like we just had this thing where it was almost like we had this ten year friendship with him. You know, just he was just so upfront and honest in this interview, and I loved uh, every part of it. I was so entertained. At some points, I found myself just sitting back listening to this interview, and I'm like, oh wait, I got to ask another question. I'm like, man, I could just let him talk for days. <laughs> Yeah, it's like QB fraternity, like everybody just getting along. But then like talking to someone who so had such an illustrious career and so well respected, I was just like hanging on his <laughs> hanging on what he was saying. So it was pretty cool to Yeah, I mean, he's all over the, the facility and everything. So you're like, man, this guy must have been great. And then you talk to him and he's just like <laughs> just a regular dude, but like has accomplished so much. Yeah. And and I think that his probably biggest accomplishment to date is twenty one on our two minute drill. He is the new leader, so I, I can't wait for fans to hear that and check that out because finally we have somebody who does not get 19 and we had a three-way tie <laughs> at the top. But yeah, I was going to say he's go. the master of the two-minute drill on the field and on our podcast, but Ooh. it's called the four-minute four drill in, in uh, Canada, so four. I don't know how well that well, plays. I guess three minute, three minute drill and four. So four minute drill is when you're winning and you got to run the clock out three minute drill when you're down and you got to score. Interesting. Got huh? it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Learn something new every day. Welcome to the CFL. Isaac Harker. <laughs> <laughs> they, play, they play with 12 guys. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> it looks like 37, but yeah. So what have you been up to just, uh, just recently, anything new in your life? Oh man, just waiting, waiting on word and trying to keep, keep the nose to the grindstone you know doing visualization stuff and lifting and throwing just yeah. the usual yep I, what about uh, yourself? I just officially started my hard part of my workouts you know before I was working out but now I'm in the hard phase where uh, I'm pushing myself a little bit because we're about hopefully we're about a month a month away two months away from our actual first game so I'm pushing myself a little bit here and, and making sure that I'm in tip-top shape um, getting my muscle mass back. Cause I have weights. Finally, it took me a while, but I got weights in my new house and I no longer have to run and bike and lose all this weight and lose all this muscle mass. 
I bet you were just sore, man, after not not lifting for a while, getting back into it. Oh, my hamstrings! I was walking and it was just like brutal. I all I wanted <laughs> like was steel cables. <laughs> yeah. And I, so I told myself I was like, ah. Oh, and this morning I just went on like a five mile, six mile bike ride. I was like, maybe I'll just flush my legs. And uh, around my house, it, uh, there was a lot of hills, so it was nice for part of it, but really hard for the other parts. But um, yeah, so. Other than that, I'm excited about the first, what, six episodes? We've already five episodes we've re- released, and this is our sixth episode, and I think the fans are truly going to love it. With, without further ado, we're here is your guys' favorite quarterback of all time, Darian Durant. Welcome into our sixth episode of the Rouge Report. And Isaac, we are in the presence of greatness, two-time Grey Cup champion, two-time CFL West All-Star, Darian Durant. Um, first off, Darian, you were born with the quarterback's name, like Darian Durant. That just comes off the tongue like, <laughs> man, this guy's built for a superstar. How you doing? How, how you hanging in during uh, the quarantine and all this craziness? I'm good, man. It's actually just giving me a little bit more time to be with the family, with the girls not being in school, even though they're a little bit of a pain. <laughs> uh, just being home and uh, watching them grow has been great. So everything is good. Uh, and now the wife is back at work with Toronto opening back up phase two now. So everything is good, man. Can't yeah. complain. Yeah, can't complain for sure. And I gotta admit, when we first started up the uh, the podcast, we're like, man, it would be so cool if we could get Darian on the show. So this is this is kind of cool how we kind of spoke it into existence weeks and weeks before we even started. Oh, my pleasure, man, my pleasure. <laughs> so before we get into all the good stuff, I was doing a bunch of research on you, Darian, just kind of preparing myself. First off, I want to say your career was amazing. So congrats on a wonderful career. But uh, I looked in two thousand one. I believe it was your freshman year at North Carolina. You had one punt for negative three yards. Can you, can you explain this to me? Because I am so intrigued by this. Bro, oh, man. So it was, I think it was like a third and 25 or something like that. And uh, coach called for a pooch punt. And uh, so I back up just a little, you know, normally you're at four and a half, five yards. So I back up to about seven. It was a, a low snap, and instead of you know just going with my gut and 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 just running or throwing it away or whatever, I tried to punt it, bro, and it went back. <laughs> <laughs> and now you got that negative three yards on your stats for life, and now you got guys oh, like me man. questioning it. <laughs> That's amazing. It was third That's down. Best. Yeah, you know, you you try to catch them off guard. You know, you try to catch them in coverage. It was like third and twenty-five. Uh-huh. So we knew we probably weren't going to get the first down. You know, they had cover two look, but if we could punt it, if I could get in a good kick like we had been practicing all week, you know, yeah, pin yeah. them inside the stem, <laughs> then uh, that would have been good. But that it totally backfired. That's and we amazing. were around midfield, so, oh, you man. know, they had great field position after that. Yeah. So, uh, man, that, that so, so did you try any punts in the CFL? Did you ever try pooch punt in CFL? I no, no, I wouldn't even try. I don't think I did. You can't come back from that? <laughs> no, man. I, I actually asked Coach to redeem myself a couple years later, but he said the big H-E-double-L no. As a competitor, your heart is like, man, I I got to come back from that. Like, I know I'm better than that. And then to not even no have question. the opportunity, man, that's got to hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I was nervous. I'm, I'm, I'm not a good 
punter, kicker anyway. So I was nervous going into it. Of course, in practice, it's always easy. You you nail everything in practice, but you, know, you got the, those eyes on you, man. It's just, just nerve-wracking. That ain't that everything in life as a quarterback. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and before we get kind of going on some specifics of your career, I just want to, like, get your thoughts on what made you a great quarterback like is it something inside or is it a particular skill set? Like, cause I've been watching the, uh, the 2013 run to the gray cup and man, there's just something about you that's different than other quarterbacks when you watch. Yeah. I, I think I've always had kind of had that underdog mentality, man, me being a five eleven quarterback and uh, actually going into my sophomore year of high school, my, my coach introduced us to the spread system. You know, no one was running really the spread in the nineties in the late nineties. Uh, don't, don't think the early nineties, I'm not that old yet, but uh, <laughs> no one was really running the spread then. So um, that kind of gave me an opportunity to throw the ball a little bit. And I got a lot of, a lot of, you know, a lot of coaches going into, you know, college didn't want me to play quarterback. They wanted me to switch positions. So mm-hmm. um, I just kind of always had that underdog mentality. And, and uh, you know, I have a tattoo that, uh, you know, it says against all odds, me being a under six foot quarterback trying to trying to make it first at a D one school and then, you know, going on to play ball in the CFL. I always felt like the underdog. I know how those conversations feel when a coach is like, Hey, we love you, you got great IQ, you got arm strength and then you're right. like, Okay, so can I play for you? And they're like, Well, <laughs> you're not really exactly. well, a God, God, quarterback. God didn't bless you with any height, so I'm gonna have to hold that against you. <laughs> but man, I mean, things have changed now. It seems like you look at guys like Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, like those guys mm-hmm. who are getting drafted. Drew Brees has done it for a long time. You would hoped that like Drew Brees would have and Doug Flutie, guys like that, would have set the standard. But now it seems like height isn't that big of an issue. It's more of can you play football or not, which is what it should have been. But back then it was like, if you're not six, four and can't stand in the pocket and just throw it, we don't want you at these, at these big elite colleges. And so it was tough. There was a lot of talented guys that just yeah. got overlooked because they're hype. But for you to go to North Carolina, I mean, that's a huge school. So clearly you're yeah. talented enough um, to, to at least turn some heads in the power five big schools. Um, Talk to me about your recruiting process. What were your uh, final three? Because I'm always interested in recruiting processes for guys. Like, what were your final mm-hmm. three colleges that you were interested in? Did you love the recruiting process? Did you hate it? Uh, just, just talk to me a little bit about that. It was, it was great actually. I mean, I, I enjoyed, especially me being from a small town in South Carolina, going to you know Florida State or going to Georgia or going to these different places on visits and being able to just you know, engulfing those type of atmospheres. It was, it was great. So uh, actually my senior year, I broke my foot, <clears throat> excuse me, I broke my foot in the fourth game of the season. And uh, I was actually ready to commit to Georgia. And, uh, you know, once I broke my foot, they kind of backed off on me a little bit. Uh, they didn't know if I was going to recover okay or how it would be. And so, you know, they backed off of me. That's where I really wanted to go. Quincy mm-hmm. Carter was there at the time. I don't know if you guys remember oh, yeah. him, old Cowboys Cowboy quarterback. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And, uh, you know, he hosted me on my visit, and I was just – I wanted to be the next Quincy Carter. So that kind of broke my heart. So then um, it came down to North Carolina, South Carolina, uh, Clemson, and um, Georgia Tech. 
NC State was kind of in the mix as well. I kind of wanted to keep it, me being from South Carolina, I wanted to keep it either in North Carolina or Georgia, you know, mm-hmm. my bordering state. So kind of be close to home. So <clears throat> didn't go to South Carolina, didn't commit to South Carolina, believe it or not, because Lou, it, this was Lou Holtz's second year there. And I didn't really understand his legacy at Notre Dame. I, me being a 17, 18-year-old kid didn't know. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's Lou Holtz from Notre Dame, you know, national champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he told me that I could come in as a freshman and compete. And uh, I just didn't didn't really feel South Carolina. They were like one in ten the year before uh, I was coming out. So, and they they wore Russell uniforms and didn't have their names on the back. So, when you're young, you you look at things For like sure. that. No so, and then you know, I walked in North Carolina's locker room, and they have Nike everywhere. You know, uh, names on the back. You you go to the basketball games. Mm-hmm. It's just they, it, it, everything about the campus just wows you. So, mm-hmm. uh, ended up committing there. Uh, they had a a good quarterbacking situation for me. So, uh, you know, just wanted to go there, and it was close enough to home for my parents to come. So, uh, it was a good fit for me. Yeah, that and that's always it. You you kind of, I think for me, I wanted to go UCLA. I'm an Orange County guy. I wanted to go to UCLA, but. Being able to leave the state, but being so close to home, it kind of helped me grow up as opposed to just mm-hmm. having that, you know, I'm always close to my parents and kind of getting a little coddled, I guess. Um, so exactly. it was nice. And I feel like that's probably similar to you. You were able to get away, but you were still close enough where your family can make games. You were, if something crazy happened, you know, a short trip away. And so that's what uh, probably exactly. a good feeling yeah. for sure. That's so I, huge, man. It's huge. No doubt. I, I want to fast forward a little bit to the CFL because obviously we could talk for hours and hours and hours, but uh, just talking about the start in the CFL for you. So you are on the Ottawa Renegades neg list. They fold. Mm-hmm. Then Hamilton acquires your rights and then they trade your rights to Sask. So before you even touch foot into a CFL team, you are already technically on three different teams. Just kind of <laughs> talk, talk, talk to me through that going through your mind, like growing up, did you know much about the CFL? Um, did you know that the Ottawa Renegades had your rights and, and were you tracking like your rights being moved from team to team? I had no idea. I mean, Excuse me. Just like any other young kid quarterback coming out of college, you want to go to the NFL. You're not even thinking about the CFL at the time. But I had a wide receiver coach. He's actually the wide receivers coach at Louisville right now. Gunter Brewer, he told me, man, he said, hey, you know, I'm not saying that you're not good enough, but you maybe want to think about the CFL. I mean, you know, Doug Flutie, Warren Moon, you know, Garcia, a lot of good guys have gone up there and, and had success. And I know they're going to stereotype you down here. So maybe something you want to think about. So, you know, that kind of resonated with me when I didn't get invited to the combine and I didn't get some of the looks that I thought I deserved with the career that I had in college. So, um, you know, just hearing about it and, you know, learning. Then I started doing my research. I said, hey, man, CFL may be a great opportunity. And, you know, went up there and, and, you know, wanted to take advantage of it. You know, like you said, being in, <laughs> being on the neck, I had no idea what a neg list was. Yeah. Uh, but my agent was in touch with Roy Shivers, who was the GM in uh, Saskatchewan at the time. And I knew they were about to get Kerry Joseph once they folded. And uh, he said, here's a guy you can come in and learn behind. And, uh, you know, that, that kind of gave me my opportunity right there to learn the game and uh, have an opportunity to play. 
And you, you're talking about learning the game, but it must have been kind of a transition because in high school you were you were playing and then in, at North Carolina you're playing as a true freshman. So was it strange to not be on the field for the first time in your career? Like what were those first three years like when you were learning the X and O's and the CFL game? It was, man. I mean, <laughs> you know, us as competitors, we're the, in my mind and in my heart, I believe quarterbacks are the most competitive guys on the field. You know, we just can't express ourselves like other other guys. And even when we're in the back and we're sitting watching the other quarterbacks throw seven on seven, when they throw an incomplete pass, we always feel like we can get in there and we can do it. Yeah. So playing for, you know, high school, college and getting the Saskatchewan and sitting for three years, you know, I, I, I enjoyed the learning process, but in my heart, I felt like I could go in there and just make it happen. And that's just the competitive nature in me. So it was rough the first three years. I, I actually quit at the end of the 06 season. I said, I'm going home because I was I was on the practice roster to start the season in 06. And then I dressed for a couple games and then they put me back on the practice roster. Mm. And so I was just like, man, you know what? I sat all year. I never sat in my life just being immature. I just decided I wanted to go home. And then Eric Tillman, he came and he, you know, told me to stay. Saw potential in me, and I'm glad he did because I was ready to give it up then. It was that's a great. That's a me. great story of him yeah. coming out and telling you that's cool. And what's crazy is so 2007, you guys win the Grey Cup. Really, your first year um, as a backup on the roster. You know, active. I believe every game were you active uh, that whole season. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So I was active. All you're active all yeah. game, and now you're like. Man, this CFL thing might be a little easy. Your first real year, and you you get yourself a Grey Cup ring, Kerry Joseph's MLP. Um, what I want to talk about is the craziness that ensues after the Grey Cup. So KJ mm-hmm. wins the MLP, wins the Grey Cup in March. Not only so November, December, January, February, four months later, they trade KJ, and now you're sitting there like, okay, we just traded our MLP quarterback. Now what? So just kind of take me through, like, what, what was going through your head when uh, KJ got traded? You're like, this is my opportunity. I got a chance to come in and at least compete for a starting job, a professional starting job. Like, that should have felt like, man, this is pretty awesome. It did. It did, honestly. But I, I, I felt bad at the same time, you know, being young. And I kind of looked at KJ as a mentor. You know, he mm-hmm. he went out of his way to teach me the game. So, uh, he did a lot of things he didn't have to do. So I was I was kind of mixed emotionally, like didn't know if, the, if I, I – of course I was happy I had an opportunity, but I was sad for him as well, you know, especially everything that he accomplished. So uh, – but I was happy for the opportunity. I, I knew that, um, you know, when when I was practicing, I would practice with Andy Fentus and Getz Laugh and all these other guys who I ended up Rob Bag. I, you know, all these guys that I ended up playing with down the road, we were on the practice squad. Mm-hmm. So we would take it upon ourselves to, you know, do the things we felt like we were going to do if we got that opportunity to play. So when 08 came, I was ready because I had built some chemistry just in practice with these guys. So I was mm-hmm. ready to go. Yeah, and I want to dig into that relationship with KJ a little bit because you guys obviously wore the same number, and I think I've heard a story of you calling him on the phone asking if you could wear number four. Like it obviously meant a lot yep. to you. Yeah, for sure, man. He, like I said, he just went out of his went out of his way to help me to to teach me the game. Uh, I don't know if you guys know Tommy Condell. I'm sure I don't know if you played for him or not, Cody. But Tommy Condell was the OC at the time as well, and and I mean they just. 
I'm serious, man. I've been around some guys who don't want to help the young guys at all. Mm -hmm. And what they did for me was just amazing. And, uh, you know, once he won the MOP and won the Grey Cup, because when they won, when they won the Grey Cup, it, it had been, well, when we won the Grey Cup, I say that, you know, you always want to win it as a quarterback. So <laughs> yeah. I, I don't really look at 07 as my Grey Cup. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Of course, yeah. I was on the team. But, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, seeing him as a MOP go out of his way to help a young guy like me was just amazing. Yeah, and, and no doubt. I mean, I was with Tommy uh, in Toronto the year we won the Grey Cup, and just the way he coached players, his knowledge of the CFL game, he was teaching guys yeah. things about the waggles to like CFL veterans like SJ Green, and SJ Green's like, man, I've never heard of that before, you know? So just yeah. Yeah. his knowledge of the game at all levels, all positions was truly incredible. Um, we had an uh, awesome coaching staff there, but I kind of want to talk just a touch about this, like, the CFL game has transitioned so much. Back then, the the practice roster was really like loaded with talent. Nowadays, you know, you see the practice roster. Most guys sit on the practice roster for a year and then end up getting cut like the next year. But I remember talking to like Chad Owens. He was on the practice roster in Montreal with SJ Green, Brandon Whitaker. Like they were absolutely yeah. loaded over there. And so it, it just goes to show the same guys you're talking about practice squad wise all became studs in this league. And that's what kind of built that foundation in the league. But kind of going into into going into 2008, um, so you played, uh, I believe, four games. Uh, obviously, they kind of wanted like a rebuilding year because they're trying to figure out who's going to be their next quarterback. You know, they play four quarterbacks. Um, at the end of the year, you re-signed with the Riders and, and decided not to test free agent waters. Was there a reason behind that? Um, obviously, every quarterback – you know, can make more money by testing the free agent waters, but to be able to solidify yourself, just, just kind of take me through that process of um, being wanting to sign with the writers as opposed to getting to free agency. Yeah, man, I, I think it's very important. And you'll see this as you go through your career to play with the same guys year after year after year, you know, because your receivers and, you know, the guys that you build that chemistry with, they're the ones who are going to put the longevity on your career. So I thought it was important, you know, the, the like I spoke on earlier, the chemistry I built with Andy Fantus and uh, Weston Dressler, Rob Bag, Chris Getzlaff, those guys. I mean, it was like, why would I leave and put myself in another situation when we've been practicing for years on the same things, trying to get to another level? So it just made sense for me uh, to come back and, and, and stick with the guys we've been working with because we knew that we could be special if we could just keep building. Yeah, that's such a great point. I think, and a lot of people don't realize that, but man, the chemistry is way worth the dollar signs that you're going to make because winning Grey Cups, at the end of the day, the money's always going to be there no matter what you do. But no uh, the, the rings will last in those those championship locker rooms, the relationships you build, like those last a lifetime. And I'm sure you're still friends with all those guys to this day. Um, fast forward a bit to, to 2009, talking about the Grey Cup, just your Grey Cup run. Um, I know the li listeners don't want to hear it. You probably don't want to hear it. But uh, 2009, the uh, too many men on the field. Did you find yourself celebrating? Did you see 13 guys on the field? Like, just take me through. I want to be in the mind of Darian Durant on this final play. Man, 
I just had a feeling he was going to miss it. I just, something in my gut just told me he's going to miss the kick. I was kind of towards, you know, uh, midfield area down kind of by myself. So I couldn't see that we had too many men on the field. Mm -hmm. So I had no idea. And when he missed the kick, I just threw my helmet so high up <laughs> in the air, man. Like, like first year quarterback, we, I mean, you yeah. It just unheard of first year quarterback comes in and, 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 you know, you get a great cup. So mm -hmm. I was just ecstatic, man. And then I just see the guys, every, no one's happy. Everyone's upset. <laughs> like yeah. what's going on? Yeah. We just, like, what happened? <laughs> right. Why is no one celebrating. And, uh, you know, seeing that flag and seeing the referee make that call, man, that was just devastating, man. Devastating. But, um, you know, we had a good run. But uh, at the end of the day, man, that's probably the worst feeling of my career that I could ever imagine feeling. It was that. And then, obviously, the next the next year, your the off season probably fueled with that that lingering feeling from the too many men on the field call and everything. And you go back to the Grey Cup again. Was that was there something like? Is there something that you can quantify like is different during the regular season during Grey Cup runs? And just kind of take me through that like that comeback season like the the redemption arc yeah, I mean we, we we felt like we we could you know we we got robbed even though it was our fault you know mm -hmm. we felt like we had the team that could do it so we were eager to get back into the season and then we had Montreal to open up the season the next year so we had a chance to get back at them again but I mean I just think that it's, it's very important see I was a young quarterback at that time uh when we were making that run I didn't realize you know, the significance of what was going on. I was just a young 28, 29, 27, 28-year-old guy, um, you know, just going with the flow. So, um, but we had great veteran leadership, man. Gene Makowski, who is probably going to go down as one of the best old linemen in CFL history, you know, having Jeremy O'Day, having, you know, these guys, uh, that veteran leadership, it was important. So they knew the importance of how to keep us in line going through the season, how not to get too high and too low with the flow, with the flows of the season, but just stay steady. So that veteran leadership really helped us through that season and uh, leading up to that playoff run. And that's what they kind of say. They kind of say veteran leadership and Canadian talent is what separates teams because, no question, because everybody has talented American guys pretty much is a wash across the board, but talented Canadians and, and veteran leadership guys who have been there, who've been to a great cup. So you talk about 2010, this is your third great cup, second as a starter, but your third time being there, you must've felt comfortable yeah. and confident and been like, all right, we know we got these guys. How much um, the CFL game team wise changes year by year. How much did your guys' team change from 2009 to 2010? Did you guys keep a lot of the core intact or did you guys have yes. kind of an overhaul? Yeah, we kept everyone together, man. Uh, during that run, uh, our core stayed steady. Uh, and, and that's important, especially, I mean, uh, and I hate to speak for a lot of GMs, but sometimes they would rather get younger mm -hmm. than to, keep those experienced guys that are still playing at a high level, whether it be contract status, whether it be, you know, some GMs don't even have the pride to come and ask guys to take a pay cut, you know, just take a little bit less, but let's keep this thing together. Instead, they'll just cut you and just throw you out there and say, you know, good luck. So I just think that having that veteran, that mix of veterans and young talent is key. And like you said, man, we had, uh, 
so many good Canadian players, like I mentioned, Rob Bag, Andy Fantus, mm-hmm. uh, dress, not dress, I'm sorry, uh, Getzlaff, those guys. That allowed us to have a lot more American guys and a lot, a lot of flexibility on defense. Yeah. So, uh, you know, just having that 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 mix and that ratio, you know, allowed us to have. And, some and I think I think losing too helps guys because the competitor in you is like, no, nah, we we got unfinished business. We're going to win the Grey Cup next year, and so guys don't want to sign elsewhere, as opposed to when you win a yeah. Grey Cup. Guys are like, man, I can get top dollar if I go to the free agency. So, you know, kind of being able to lose, like for us in the West final last year, we were able to keep a lot of guys because I kept in contact with so many guys and everyone's like, no, we got unfinished business. Like I'm not going out like that. And that's when you see teams become dynasties as opposed to just one hit wonders. And that's what you're talking about is just that, you know, core stability being there. So just getting to the good part now, fast forwarding 2013, um, you had an amazing, amazing year. Uh, talk to me. I, I want to go into the game, Grey Cup game. So uh, let's talk about this. Before the game, it was at home. I heard a story that they snuck you into like the writer's tent before before <laughs> the game. And just talk to me. How many fans were there? The I heard there was fireworks. I heard that the the overall applaud for when you showed up and people saw you, like people were in tears. Like just talk me through that yeah. before the game. Yeah, it was the, actually the night before the game, and uh, they were doing Ryderville over at the. Uh, it's right by the. I forget the name of the building, right beside the Expo Building, right beside the stadium. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, they just wanted me to do something different, and you know, get the fans into it a little bit more. You know, our fans. I don't know how optimistic they were going into that Great Cup being, you know, two thousand nine and two thousand ten. How that ended up. So, Hearts have been broken. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no question. So, you know, they just wanted me to come in and energize the crowd a little bit, show my face. I, I didn't do a lot of appearances that year uh, in twenty thirteen because, you know, I I just wanted to focus more on football. So I wasn't in the community as much as I was in the past. So, you know, I just wanted to go show my face a little bit. And, man, when I walked on stage, uh, Luke, Luke Mullender actually was the MC that night. And, uh, you know, it was just, just the energy in that building. It was it was just crazy, man. I, I mean, imagine. you guys know how Ryder fans are yeah. when they get – when they're on fire. So that, that building was on fire, man. It was just amazing, something I'll never forget. Yeah, and I can't imagine playing a great cup – at home where you feel right. like it's just a home game. It's not really a great cup. So like your comfort is, is definitely there. So going into halftime, you guys are up, I believe 31 to six. Um, yeah. Take me into the locker room. What were guys saying? Was it quiet? Were guys excited? Were guys kind of laxed? You know, anytime you have a big lead like that, sometimes guys get laxed, but it is the great cup. So uh, just take me yeah. in there. What was the coaches saying? What were you saying to the guys with, with such a big lead and just, uh, yeah, just take me in there. Man, there were so many different emotions going on in that locker room because you got a guy like G. Roy Simon who hasn't lost a great cup. Superman. Uh, Ricky Foley's, yeah, Ricky Foley's a great cup champion. Dwight Anderson's a great cup champion. He hadn't lost. And then you have myself and the crew that have lost, you know, the two great cups. And we're just like, man, we got to, you know, we, we're, we're kind of uptight right now. We got to do whatever we can to hold on to this lead. And then the other guys, they're just relaxed. You know, we got this, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so it was kind of like a ton of mixed emotions in that locker room. But 
what's it like i said before it just comes down to that veteran leadership and the guys i talked about like g-roy like ricky foley like uh the white these guys have been there done that on the biggest stage so having those guys out there you know it, it just you could see the difference between the 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 great cup experience we had with that 13 team and then what we had with our young crew and uh nine and ten it's just night and day you know, the, the the difference in attitude. So uh, it's just a good feeling, man. When you know you're up like that, you know it's the odds are that the other team won't come back. But you just, after having 13 men on the field and losing the Grey Cup, you know, anything mm-hmm. is possible. Yeah. And y- your game specifically, going 17 and 24 for 245 and three touchdowns, what does it mean to to have a really good game as you're winning the Grey Cup for the first time? Like, tell me what that means to you. Yeah. It's, it was great, man. It was a great feeling. I mean, you always want to play well on the biggest stage. And, uh, you know, just to just to have all the work you put in, just, you know, come come out and just show and show that, uh, you, you know, you work hard for that point. You know, you guys know how hard we work and how we tweak our fundamentals from time to time to try to get better from year to year. So it was just uh, – just happy that all my hard work paid off and I uh, had a good game. And it's just something that we can always remember forever. That's the main thing because I, you, you know, I don't want, I didn't want to end my career, you know, losing three great cups, having bad games and all three of them. So it was kind of a redemption thing for me and uh, it's just a great feeling. Yeah. And what I was, I think in no controversy, but do you think you got robbed from the MVP? Corey Sheets takes the MVP of the great cup. <laughs> You you drive uh, him down. I think he had a few. I mean, that guy is probably one of the first he's just guys. So consistent. Yeah, man. and he can he's score so every consistent. time he touches the balls, right? Yeah, but, yeah. But yeah. there's times he got uh, two mean, yard touchdowns, three yard touchdowns. So like, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I mean, we always want that trophy, of course, of yeah, course. No. I don't think I got robbed though. I mean, I'm just <laughs> especially he saved me. I don't know if you guys. I know you guys seen that fumble I had in the first quarter oh, where he yeah. caught it in midair and, and and ran for about thirty yards so uh he saved my life right there because if that if, if hamilton recovers that it goes the other way and the momentum just from even watching on youtube years later you can just feel how deflated they are they're like we just caused a fumble yeah. and then they just take it for an extra like three first downs and you're like damn that's <laughs> that's kind of crazy exactly and we went on to score that drive too so mm-hmm. that that was just crushing for them and I, I guess after the game, I mean, Saskatchewan is always just like the atmosphere is insane uh, after mm-hmm. big wins and everything. But after the Grey Cup, it must have been a completely different animal. Oh, man, it's it was ridiculous, man. Uh, every street leading up to the old Mosaic Stadium was just flooded with fans. Uh, no one went home after the game. It was so hard for us to get even after all the celebration and everything that we did after the game traffic was just still crazy and we, we left two three hours later man it was just amazing that was one of the best nights of my life man it was just man i mean you guys know what it's like playing there and winning big games but just but not just, a great just, imagine that imagine that times 10 man yeah. it was amazing bro it was amazing and and that's i mean so for you after just talk to me the difference between after losing the gray cups um it's the end of the year and you usually probably went back home um, did you find yourself staying around Sask a little bit longer after winning? Uh, obviously, when you lose, kind of you want to be like, oh, I'm going back home. Um, how, how did your offseason kind of change? It actually kind of went backwards. I I lived in Saskatchewan full time uh, from 
08 to about 12. So when we were losing, I was there full time. (laughs) And then I had moved to Atlanta towards, uh, you know, the end of 2012. So then I was going back home during the off season. So, um, you know, it it was just uh, at the end of the day, I just wanted to get away and be with my family because I told my, I actually didn't invite any of my family to the breakup game. Like mm-hmm. I, I dealt with all the ticket situations and going out to eat and all that stuff during 2009 and 2010. So I said, you know what? In 13, I'm just not going to invite anybody. Didn't invite my mom, dad, anyone. So I was just ready to get back home and celebrate with them. Yeah, all business. Yeah, you. I I kind of get that feeling because I was I was watching the whole like road your road up to the Grey Cup and in the semi against BC, you guys are down. Mm-hmm. And it just like you're just willing the team forward, but mostly with your legs. So that that's yeah, one thing that yeah. just sticks out to me. Is that just like going into the zone, or you just were like, "Hey, we're winning this thing, like no matter what." Well, you know what, man, BC in their secondary at the time they had they had three Hall of Famers in my opinion, CFL Hall of Famers. So I I was kind of nervous to pull the trigger. I'll be honest with you, and I knew that if they were in certain coverages. If I didn't like my first read, I wasn't going to go to two and three. I was just going to tuck the ball and run. I made up my mind after the third quarter because I hadn't been throwing the ball well. I just couldn't get a feel for the ball. The the weather was kind of funny that day. So I I just couldn't get a good feel for the ball that day. So uh, I knew that, you know, I wasn't going to force it into Ryan Phillips and those guys. I was just going to tuck it and and run if I had to. So it was predetermined, man, that, you know, And then coach called a, qu- a couple quarterback draws, and mm-hmm. uh, you know he just fed off of that energy. And and I tell my I tell my young guys this all the time. Like some days you just don't have it. Like sometimes you yeah. just get out there, and for some reason just feels weird, and you don't have it. But to be able to fall back on your legs, um, that's that's truly a yeah. blessing that that I, I know I have, and you have, Isaac has. So being able to do yeah. that, but you have to be confident in that decision you can't be like well i'm gonna try and go through my reads and then run the ball and then kind of wishy-washy so you being able to definitively tell yourself hey i'm gonna take off probably just gave you confidence and now you start moving the ball you feeling good about yourself and then probably being able to throw the ball came a little bit easier yeah no question and and you have to go against your coaches your your coaching fundamentals and what you've been taught during times like sometimes you have to throw coaching out the window and just say, look, I, I know when we get in the film room, it's not going to look pretty with me going through my reads. But, you know, I just have a feeling today that my legs are going to help me. And, you know, that's just the feeling I had. It, 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 it's going to be like that sometimes. You'll see. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny to hear you say that because uh, early on I, I was taking kind of a deep dive on your career and like how you played like right when I got into the CFL. And there's one play that sticks mm-hmm. out to me was from the Calgary game in 2013, the the West final. You it's the early in the second quarter and you just take take a drop back. It looks like you maybe look at your first read and then you kind of get swarmed in the pocket. You avoid one guy, duck mm-hmm. under another guy and then lateral it to number 2, I can't remember his name, but he takes it for a first down. It was on yeah, second and I was like, exactly. "Well, I'm not getting anything from that. That's just pure like <laughs> that's pure talent right there." <laughs> Hey man, coaching goes out the window in some instances. Uh, it's always you—you you, you, want to get in there and do all the fundamental things you, you're taught in practice, but man, that can go out the window quick when you have those big guys coming at you. Mm-hmm, for sure. 
And, and so just kind of moving a little bit forward now, where um, the, the years after the Grey Cup, obviously there's high expectation and you had some injuries that you had to deal with. You sign with Montreal. Um, just kind of talk us through that, that decision. I think, did you get traded? Um, technically to Montreal? Yeah, I, I got traded. Yeah, it was a technically, technically I got traded. Because uh, you would have been a free agent, but they ended up trading your, your rights. Is that what happened? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they just gave me permission to go ahead and make whatever decision I was going to make. Gotcha. Okay, so, and then I, I believe the next year you guys opened up playing Sask. Is, is that correct? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Talk to me about that game and, and just the nerves. I'm sure you had a bunch of nerves. The, I want to prove these guys, you know, I still got it. Um, just, just talk yeah. me through that game. No question. I mean, you know, and then uh, during the off season, Chris Jones would get on the radio and said, I had a mediocre career. I was a mediocre quarterback <laughs> quarterback. And, you know, so, you know, it was a little, uh, it was a little upsetting because yeah. I, I didn't really have a problem with him. You know, I would never talk negative about him. So, you know, I was, I just kind of, you know, it, 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 it irked me a little bit. So, you know, I definitely wanted to show those guys, uh, you know, that they made a mistake by letting me go because I felt like if you, you know, I'm not, we had a lot of young receivers at the time, but then the next year you bring in Deron Carter and you bring in some of those other guys. I'm like, man, I, you know, that would have been nice to nice play to with a guy like guys. that. So. Yeah. That yeah, just goes exactly. to show, like, no matter how solidified you become or you win a Grey Cup or whatever, that initial chip on your shoulder from being, like, undersized and being talked about in, in that light never really leaves you. Exactly, man. You know, you once you have a little success and, you know, you kind of, I won't say get complacent, but you don't have that, some of the motivational things that, uh, you know, drove you in the past. So uh, getting traded kind of, brought back that chip that I always played with early on. And the thing about the CFL is like, when you get traded, you play every team, you know, twice. And so yeah. it's not like uh, in the NFL or the MLB where you get traded and you might not play that other team. You're going to for sure play your old team. And so just, yeah. I, it's always interesting to me when guys get traded or, or things break down in, in contracts. But I want to talk about, the Winnipeg debacle, because I was in the league by this time, and I would I'd be pissed at myself if I didn't ask you. So you decide, you sign with Winnipeg, you get a nice signing bonus, and then you retire on them. Was that in the works this whole time? I, I want to first come out and just say this. Thank you for being the first player that kind of stuck it to the teams, because usually we were on the wrong side of the stick where we'd have a yeah. bonus coming up and get released the day before. And so it was nice, exactly. especially for me. I know being a young guy, just hearing all the veterans in the locker room being like, yeah, there you go, Darian, stick it to the yeah. team, you know, to finally win one <laughs> as a player. Um, just, just take me through that process of retiring. What kind of drove you yeah. to that? You knew putting on the Winnipeg uniform was not going to feel right. I, I know deep down yeah, that's probably yeah. probably what was driving that, but but go ahead and just talk me through that. I, 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 my initial intentions were to go and play, honestly. Um, I had been training. I actually had been training here in Toronto with uh, Shea Pierre, so, uh, and I was training with a bunch of the field, Chad Owens and Brandon Bridge and a, and a whole bunch of other guys. So I was training, getting ready for the season, but before um i just i just had my my first daughter and um you know i i just as it came closer and closer to training camp i just got a feeling that one putting on winnipeg colors wouldn't feel right of course we know <laughs> thank that. you yeah thank and you. Uh, you know it, it, 
too, I, I guess just the competitor in me, and this is nothing against Matt Nichols. I think he's a great player, you know, mm-hmm. but just at that time, I felt like I was a starter. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt like there's, I don't know how I can go in here and go through the, the, the schedule of training camp and to go through everything that, you know, we go through as players and just be a backup. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I just I just didn't have a good feeling about it, and um, you know it's crazy because Matt got hurt in training camp and mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> hurt his knee, and he mixed, missed the first six or seven games, that's and that's the when uh, came in, right? made yeah. his debut. Yeah, but uh, I just wasn't feeling it, man. I, I I felt like I had a good career. I was I wasn't spinning the ball like I had in the past. I mean, in Montreal, I was throwing interceptions on screen passes, just <laughs> overselling guys and throwing the ball in the dirt. So I just, I just knew that it, 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 I had come to a point where I had taken enough of a beating. And, uh, you know, Winnipeg, they gave me a bonus. And I just felt like when they, were, when they want to cut me, like you said, when, they, when, they, when Sass wanted to cut me, actually when Montreal cut me, uh-huh. uh, it was right before a bonus as well, the day before my bonus. And I had no communication with them up until then. Crazy. So, um, you know, once I got cut from them and, and it just, it, I'm not going to say I looked at it as an opportunity to, to get back as a player, but it just worked out that way. But there was no way that I was going to give it back. You know, teams always, 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 every day of the off season, every year cut players before they're due money. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't understand why fans overreact when, you know, when a player does it, but not when a team does it. I so agree, 100%. It's, 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 it's just crazy. So, yeah, you know, it's unfortunate, but at the end of the day, I'll take it. You won one for the players. But, at, I mean, retiring <laughs> is one of those things. People ask me all the time, just like, do you have like a set plan or a set number of years you want to play? And, and it's one of those things where you just, you just feel it and you're like, man, I don't yeah. have it anymore or it's time for me to move yeah. on. Um, for me, I told myself if I could play five years professionally, I would be very happy with myself. Now I'm going into year six, six and a half. Mm -hmm. And now I'm thinking, I want to go 10 years, you know, and it just always changes, but injuries affect you. Uh, Situations you're in when you're on a losing team, obviously the morale of yourself as a quarterback falls and your confidence falls. And so that's always tough. So, yeah, I mean, it's always, it's always in a, a different thought process talking about retirement. And I know talking with Ricky Ray about his retirement, that guy just loved football and just wanted to make as, as many, as much money as he could. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's just a different breed that way. But yeah, I always, I'm always fascinated by that. Yeah. When you know, you'll know, you'll know, man, it'll, you know, it'll come to you. You'll sit back, you'll look at your wife. If you have any kids, you'll look at them and you'll just say, you know what? I had a great run and, uh, you know, it's just time to move on to that next part of life. And uh, I know recently you've talked about how you want to get into a front office role or perhaps like a CFL executive slash scouting. Have you made any steps recently to put that into motion? And mm-hmm. what, are you, what are you thinking right now? Not yet. Uh, you know, I'm kind of waiting to see how everything goes with the COVID situation and uh, how this season goes for you guys. And um, you know, then, then go from there. Uh, right now I'm just enjoying being with the family and watching my girls grow up. So, uh, eventually I want to put myself in that position. Uh, I'll definitely, 
uh, speak with Jeremy O'Day about, you know, starting off with maybe a small scouting role or something like that where I can be in on, be on the road if I, uh, you know, maybe do the eastern part of Canada or maybe go down south to Atlanta, South Carolina area where I'm from and, you know, try to scout some talent. But uh, I definitely want to pay my dues in the business and start from the bottom. And uh, I don't want to use my name because I want to learn as much as I can to uh, be the best that I can be. That's always been my mentality. So I look look forward to it one day, man. I look forward to coming out there and meeting you guys as well. Um, you know, sure. the future, man, that'd, that'd be great. Yeah. You, I mean, you, you definitely set the foundation, you KJ, I mean, you know, Ken Austin, like guys like that, just setting the foundation as a rough rider quarterback. Uh, honestly, yeah. it just puts a lot of pressure on us, but it's that competitive <laughs> no pressure, pressure that, no uh, pressure. you know, we want to go out there and just, just make the alumni proud and just, just be proud of their team because I know yeah. the whole fan base is, but it's different when you make the alumni, like when KJ came back for his ring of honor and just being able to talk with him and, and just his, hear his stories. It was, it was a cool moment for me being a first year starter, just kind of hearing that stuff and just having a great interview with yeah. you and looking forward to obviously being able to finally meet face-to-face and i know that day will come but yeah we appreciate no question, you man. no doubt coming on this show we have a last segment we do with all of our uh interviewees we call it the two minute drill so we basically ask you a question and we give you two minutes on the clock and we got to see how many questions you can get through some of them are like yes or no some of them are like this or that um some of them are a little bit more harder so uh this the record right now we we've done it with three people and all three of them have got 19 so i know oh, you wow. can re- represent us qb's good and and getting the 20s so is that are you ready for this you got any questions for us all right let's go okay so the way we're going to do it is i'm going to ask 10 questions and then isaac will ask 10 just that's how we're going to kind of alternate between um i will not um start the timer until the first question is asked okay all right and hold on one second let me set this up Okay. Where do you place on the all-time CFL passing yards list? 26. How many yards is it? 32,000. Out of 109 games, what is the North Carolina record versus North Carolina State? Jeez. I need something. 90 90 and... Oh, geez, 132. <laughs> what, what, is the, what is a Tar Heel? Uh, uh, a Ram. Who was a who was a bigger rival in football, Duke or North Carolina State? North Carolina State. What's your favorite junk food? Hamburger. Favorite childhood TV show? Family Matters. Pepsi or Coke? Coke. Favorite season? Spring. What was the last Halloween costume you wore? Herschel Walker, Dallas Cowboys. Cake or pie? Cake. Who's the funniest teammate you played with? Tristan Jackson. Uh, Pencil or pen? Pencil. Why? You can erase it. (laughs) What video game did you play last? NBA 2K20. What's your biggest pet peeve? Complainers. If you had to pick a new name for yourself, what would it be? I would change my middle name and not make it Bernard. (laughs) (laughs) Favorite football memory? (laughs) 
Grey Cup 2013. Favorite blizzard at Dairy Queen? Oreo cheesecake. How cool was it to have your own line of F-150 truck? Oh, it was dope, man. It was dope. Uh, favorite animal? <sighs> Jesus. I don't like animals, man. At all. <laughs> Most no quirky talent that you have. Stock trader. Time. Ooh, a stock trader. You're making that money. <laughs> <laughs> you no one would ever, every time I tell people that, man, they're like, wow, you? <laughs> <laughs> Two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, 14. 21. 16, new record. 16, 20, 21. Let's go, Derek. Nice. <laughs> I appreciate that. Get us on the board now. Ultimate competitor, yes, baby. Love it. Yes, sir. We appreciate you, Darian, like taking your time out of your busy schedule to come on this show with us. I know our listeners are going to absolutely love this interview, so don't want to take up too much of your time. We could talk for hours about football with you. Yeah, man. Just, uh, just want to thank you for taking your time and coming on the show. Yeah, no problem, it. man. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, it's been great, man. And good luck to you guys. I hope everything works out with the season. If not, just keep working and uh, everything will work out, man. I look forward to meeting you guys one day. Yeah, appreciate you. See you soon and uh, get back to the girls. No question, man. Take care, guys. All right. See you, Darren. See you. And CFL champion Darian Durant. I mean, that interview, it, it, he's just, he's natural to talk to. It goes really smooth. I want to be Darian Durant. He is so <laughs> smooth, man. Just like hearing him talk, uh, I could have listened to him for hours. Like that was a really incredible interview. And I learned so much um, as a quarterback and just how to be a quarterback through him and just being able to talk with him personally about it, about we, everyone talks about playing in a fishbowl in uh, Saskatchewan and just him and how he dealt with losing gray cups and how he dealt with winning gray cups. It just, uh, I, I learned a lot. I, I know you probably did as well. Yeah. I'd like to, I'd like to get him in the film room and just have him break down some stuff and just hear what he's like, what what's going through his brain when he's dissecting film and stuff too. That would be pretty cool I maybe mean, we can get like a, he's just got a wealth of knowledge and 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 everything maybe we can get Love a bonus it. content of that that would be cool like a qb film film room that would be awesome but uh i want to appreciate you all you listeners for listening in please subscribe to us please review us rate us and uh continue to give us that wonderful feedback you've been giving us because it helps us become the podcast we want to be which is for you guys so thank you for listening in i hope you enjoyed darian durant's interview and look forward to the following episode Thank you for listening to The Rouge Report, presented by Young's Equipment, a Rough Rider podcast. The Rouge Report is brought to you by Young's Equipment, your case IH dealer in southern Saskatchewan. Young's is home to a wide selection of new and used case IH combines to meet your needs for any size farm. Their experienced technicians and wide selection of parts will keep you running all season. Go to youngs.ca and use the podcast code ROUGE, R-O-U-G-E, for your chance to win a writer's prize package.